1: Michelle Renee and her seven-year-old daughter were kidnapped and forced to rob a bank with dynamite strapped to their chest. In her first book, Turn Lifetime Movie, Held Hostage, Michelle shared the true crime story of her kidnapping. She joins us today to discuss how she confronted her dark, turbulent past to forge ahead and defy all odds. Michelle is the author of the new book, Nine Days, Living with My Soul Wide Open After Violent Trauma. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Michelle, for those who may not know your story, because it really is a remarkable story, can you share a little bit with us about your kidnapping and what it was that you experienced? We were home,
0: and it was early evening. I was getting ready for dinner, and three masked gunmen broke down the door to our home, and I found out later they'd been stalking us for approximately two months and had followed me from Where I worked, which I was the assistant VP and branch manager for Bank of America. And uh, they broke down the door to my home and kidnapped us and held us hostage at gunpoint and strapped us with what they told us was dynamite and took my daughter from me in the morning and said, if you don't go do absolutely everything that we tell you to do and rob the bank, then you will be murdered and your daughter will be murdered and she will be first. And I then was taken to the bank again at gunpoint and cleaned the vault out and made sure that they got everything that they wanted. And once that was over and I ended up making my way back to the house to, you know, thank God, find my daughter still alive and duct taped in in a closet. We then ended up running to the neighbors and getting calling for help
1: once you did what they asked of you they released you they let you go
0: they did they did
1: and so then you were able to get home and what happened when the police arrived was there ever a time when they suspected you being part of it they did i didn't know it at the time you know when you're in this
0: you know such a state of shock and trauma and you are already in the darkest throes of PTSD and you're in such a state of, of fear, um, It that is the last thing that sort of crossed my mind anyway, um, that that would even be a possibility. But it soon came to light that I was a suspect, according to the FBI. They had to do their job and make sure that it wasn't an inside job. Um, but in their doing their job and the way in which they went about doing their job was even further traumatizing for not only myself, but for my daughter. They immediately showed up at the neighbor's house where we had run to go use the phone and call for help. They immediately separated us again after what we had just been through and being separated. And that was just a further traumatization for us. And the criminal trial was just really, really horrific. Um, But prior to the criminal trial, there was a lot going on with the investigation. There was a lot going on with who these people were um, and what was going on within the gang that they were affiliated with that really led the FBI to tell us that we should probably get out of Dodge and change our names. And that's when the idea of where do we go Um, From here, where do do we go and wait until the criminal trial happens? And that's when Alaska came to mind.
1: So not only were you traumatized by being kidnapped, then you're traumatized throughout the process of finding the real kidnappers, and then your life gets uprooted because you're told you're no longer safe. What happened when you just mentioned Alaska? What happened in Alaska, and how did that save you? Well, Alaska for me
0: ended up being the biggest surprise of of all, really, in terms of the healing process because when we were trying to figure out where to go, at the time my daughter's grandmother, her paternal grandmother, lived in Alaska and I just called her and said, Can I at least bring Bria there and get her to safety and then I'll come back and figure out what to do. I just I wanted to make sure that she was going to be someplace, you know, safe and loving, and and get her there quickly, and get her out of all of this, get her away from everything as soon as possible, and then I would have to come back and figure out everything else to do. So I ended up doing that. I flew up there with her, was getting her settled, and while I was there, it I ended up really getting this call to come back and give everything away and drive to Alaska by myself. And when I received this sort of inner call, whatever you want to, you know, label that, I was trekking across the Matanuska Glacier. I don't know if any of your listeners out there have ever been up to Alaska, but if you get the chance and you go to Matanuska Glacier, it's absolutely spectacular. And as I was sort of trekking on this, on this glacier and really sort of, for the first time, I was able to be in a place where I could hear any sort of, of of voice or calling, even my own inner voice at that time. Um, and it was really calling me to just leave everything behind and go back to Alaska and be there. So that's what I did. I ended up getting on a plane, coming back, giving all of my stuff away and hitting the road in my very old car that I wasn't sure was going to make it. And what ended up happening on that road trip back to Alaska, which is really what nine days is all about. And the book really chronicles not just my journey, you know, those days on the road by myself, but what happened in the transformative nature of that trip and the transformative nature of being in nature and being alone with your thoughts and being, you know, wide open and having this freedom That I felt for the first time in so many years to confront, you know, not only everything I was feeling about the kidnapping, but my childhood and so much more really is what Nine Days is all about. And by the time I reached Alaska and ended up living up there for an entire year, the healing was really remarkable. And it led me to begin to wonder about who these people were who did this to us and what happened to them to get them to the point where they felt doing something like this to a mother and her child was their only option. So Mm -hmm. it was really quite a remarkable journey.
1: Well, your story is really an extreme of trauma of what we go through, because it wasn't just your own. You had these outside forces at play as well. But when we get in any type of a situation, whatever type of challenging situation we're going through, a lot of times we ask questions like, "Why me? What did I do? Did you ever go down that road?" You know, right after it happened.
0: Absolutely, I, I believe that that's a very normal response to a traumatic event. When we are, you know, when we're in such upheaval, our entire life is in complete upheaval. It wasn't just my personal life and my home, but I lost my career. And I I just, I really just didn't know. I had this, you know, existential crisis where I just didn't know who I was, what was my life going to become, why me was certainly a part of the early stages of the trauma and the trauma response. And so for me, the, the question was, how long am I going to allow myself To stay stuck there and continue to what I call stay in the why me trap, because when we continue to ask ourselves that question and we really stay, you know, hyper focused on why me, why me, we really we really kind of ensnare ourselves in this trap that just keeps us from being able to see what the possibilities are coming out of a traumatic situation or a challenging situation, because there's always going to be, in my opinion, opportunities coming out of something like this, whether it's an opportunity to grow, whether it's an opportunity to become a better mother, whether it's an opportunity to become more grateful for life and the things that we have, whether it's, you know, going, okay, I'm now going to live my life in 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 a new way that I have this second chance. I'm going to be more curious. I'm going to travel more. I'm going to be kinder. So there's so many opportunities coming out of this. Once you do sort of get yourself through those initial phases of of healing from trauma, it's so, so important to begin to ask ourselves new questions, different kinds of questions like, how can I grow from this? What can I learn from this? What can I teach my daughter and how can I be the best? possible example of healing forward for her and that was really the catalyst for me to say what can I do to heal in a really positive way and parent my child through trauma in a really positive way that is where the shift came for me and you know making sure that you're not asking yourself why me for the rest of your life really.
1: Yeah. When I started doing this work, Michelle, it really was the result of a lot of loss and trauma in my life. And Mm. there were times when I really didn't think I wanted to move forward. And it really comes down to making a choice, in, in my opinion, to say, I no longer want to stay where I am. I have to do something differently. And I have the ability to do something different. It's just taking those baby steps and moving, as you said, healing forward. And I love that, healing forward, because it's Mm -hmm. deciding I can't stay where I am. And and really, I think the catalyst for me at first were my two boys uh, of getting stronger and healing for them. But as I began the process, I started to heal for me. And you know everything that you said, I, I couldn't agree more. And you said it perfectly. I, it is a choice, and this is something that
0: I, that I say often. This is how I, I live my life this way, and that is by coming to a complete understanding that it is my choice, and how long we stay in. In a victim state is really a choice. Were we victimized? Yes. Were we harmed by this event in many ways? Yes. But how long we stay focused on what we lost instead of choosing to focus on what we could gain is 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 a hundred percent our choice. Exactly what you said. And. That takes a lot of different forms, and sometimes it takes a little longer for some and than it does for others. But I do believe that once you get to a place, and you said, you know, it's not that you can't stay in that place. Sure, you can stay in that place if, if that's your choice, but the point is you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay in this place where you're just wallowing in the pain and the anger and the resentment and all of those other things that keep you stuck in a place where joy and, and happiness and gratitude cannot coexist when you are in that place. And mm-hmm. I did not want that to, you know, be something that I live the rest of my life without because for me, joy and gratitude and, and happiness and really being the example of that for my daughter, no matter what we've survived coming out of my childhood or coming out of the kidnapping situation. For me, that is the example that I wanted to set and, and how I was going to do that was going to be up to me.
1: And for me, one of the biggest things I had to learn how to do was was to release the expectations of the way I thought my life would be, because I found myself saying quite often, this is not how it's supposed to be. You know, you could never have imagined the way it was supposed to be with with mass gunmen showing up at your door. And, and, you know, whether it be gunmen or someone dying or a divorce or a sick child, none of these things are the way we write our story. But it's making that decision, as as we both said, to write a new story. You know, you have to let go of how you envision things to play out. Well, and I think that brings a really good
0: point is that, my my identity was completely wrapped up in my in my career and in my title and i worked really hard for it and you know that's you're right that piece of it is a very difficult part to come to terms with letting go of and and not only letting go of okay this isn't how i envision my life but what is my new identity going to be who am i without this title or without this career. And in my case, without the mask of this career, because I grew up in a very violent home, I ran away at 15, I didn't have a high school diploma. And I didn't want anybody to know any of that. I thought if I was successful and, and worked my way up from being a part time bank teller to being an assistant vice president, I worked very, very hard for that. But that was a huge part of my identity. And without that, who am I? I'm stripped completely naked and everybody's going to know about me and my past. And that was something that was a very difficult aspect of healing to come to terms with. And I think once we get to the place where, we're, where we accept ourselves and we accept our past and we do the deep work that we need to do to forgive ourselves and forgive our own past and the people in our lives and and choose to become who we envision ourselves becoming and being the best version of ourselves, that's when our past is, is, and for lack of a better word, it's no longer embarrassing. It's it's no, we don't need to find a mask to hide who we've been in our past. We decide that we're going to be authentic and live, and live freely from those types of, you know, and for lack of a better word, those types of, things that hold us hostage in so many other ways in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I I agree with you that the identity piece of it is a big one.
1: So you had to do all of this deep inner work to heal yourself. Whatever happened to the kidnappers and how do you feel about them? Have you forgiven them or are they still holding you hostage in a way? So
0: absolutely. They're not holding us hostage in any way whatsoever. And it's been this incredible journey and I, I would love for your listeners to read nine days because there's some, there's a really remarkable aspect of the story that I find very beautiful. And we wrote one of them a letter when we were ready to release all of the negative associated with the kidnapping and the situation. And we were ready to say, we're healing forward. And in order to do that, we're going to have to put all of this anger and resentment and, and, and unforgiveness. We need to put that down. And we're going to walk away from this and walk into our new life without all of that. And in order to do that, we decided to write one of them a letter. And that letter is in the book. And it wasn't until the pandemic that I woke up to an email that said, we have a response to a letter that you wrote years ago from this person. Mm-hmm. And he responded during the pandemic. And it's absolutely remarkable what happened with him and in his heart and his his life and what our letter to him sparked within him for him to reach out to us and then we're getting ready to actually we'll be going to San Quentin State Prison we've been asked to come to sit and speak to one of our kidnappers and attackers and we did have another meeting with with one of the other ones, the one who responded to us. Um, And I I would love people to to read about that in the book, because for me, it's one of the most beautiful aspects of the entire story. And the redemption and the healing, and the story of their healing, to me, is equally as important as our own.
1: How important do you think That forgiveness was to your healing because so many people get stuck with grudges and anger and they just can't move forward and do you think by being able to forgive not forget and not condone but to forgive someone really leads to healing
0: it's essential i don't believe one can fully exist without the other you can until you really, really forgive and you get to a place where the core of your thoughts and your heart are centered on compassion and, you know, love in a way and and definitely forgiveness. I don't believe that, that 100% deep, complete healing is possible without that.
1: How is your daughter today? She was just a child back then. Is she experiencing PTSD? Has she been able to move past the trauma?
0: We both were in therapy for just over two years for trauma therapy for PTSD. It was really, really horrific in the beginning and for a long time. And now we have little triggers here and there. We're aware of them. We know when they're. We know when they hit. We know what to do. We have. Things in place and thought processes and practices, and in place, if we do hit a little bump in the road, we know exactly how to, you know, stop it before it starts to control us. There is really hope for people out there with PTSD to really learn some of the tools and and things that you can control it instead of allowing it to control you. And we're really in that place where we don't have. Really, hardly any of those triggers anymore. Um, But she's doing fantastically well. And, you know, she ended up when she was 18, she was diagnosed with a catastrophic onset of multiple sclerosis. So she's had, and we have had some other challenges since the kidnapping. And even through, it's interesting because when she was recovering from her MS and learning how to walk again and talk again and feed herself again and you know we went through a lot with that but she looked over at me and she said mom the the kidnapping was a you know recovering from that was a piece of cake compared to this and it prepared me for this so it's interesting how you can look back when you're in a place of healing and say that traumatic difficult situation and healing from that prepared me for something else that happened that that we never could have foreseen
1: it is interesting because everything you experience in life always seems to lead you to the next place when when you see that and it is something very interesting i, I noticed that with my work it's like every career every experience has come together for this moment of my life so true it's so true so I'll give you an example of
0: that it's just for me and when you're When you have this, when you have the mindset of, you know, kind of that awakened spirit, if you will, and you're paying attention to things like that, I didn't know that when I was in high school and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to go home because of what was happening at home. So I decided to sign up for an ROP class and I became a certified nurse assistant and I was a caregiver for years. For people. And I did not, and all of a sudden, years later, my daughter is in need of a caregiver. And Mm -hmm. everything that I learned back then, exactly what you just said, I sat back and was like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. that's why I took that class back then. It wasn't, it was for this moment right now. And those kinds of things happen over and over in our life. And it's interesting when you're sort of paying attention how much of those dots connect. When you're paying attention, you're going, okay, that's why this took place then, because it was preparing me for this moment right now.
1: It's like putting together a great puzzle. And and like you said, when you're paying attention, you really can see it form and it creates this masterpiece.
0: Yeah, really, it does. I agree with you. It's, it's, it's fascinating when you're, you know, when you're in that place and you really do sit back and you take that time to sort of be still and think about it and really want to and be interested in connecting those dots and coming to this greater place of understanding. For me, it's fascinating.
1: The book is Nine Days, Living with My Soul Wide Open After Violent Trauma. Michelle, where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? They can actually find me on my website, that is michelle-renee.com.
0: They can find me on social media, on Instagram, just look up underscore Michelle Renee underscore. And they can find my book if they are part of Barnes & Noble and they like to shop there. The book is there. It's also on Amazon in hardcover, paperback, and Kindle, the same with Um, Barnes & Noble. And then if you want to support independent bookstores, it's also available on bookshop.org. And that is, you know, really supports the independent booksellers out there.
1: And Michelle, in about 30 seconds or less, what is the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with?
0: Something you and I both agree on based on this conversation, and that is no matter what you have survived, you really do have the choice to not Stay stuck in anger and live the rest of your life in a place of of bitterness and and resentment and anger and you can choose to turn your life around live with your soul wide open be curious and really create an amazing amazing life for yourself after whatever it is that you've survived and I really want to encourage everyone out there who's listening who live with their soul wide open as well.
1: Shell, thank you so much for spending this time with us. You are such an inspiration to so many. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now.